0: What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. And today on the show, we're talking about the first five interview requests that the Miami Dolphins have placed uh, for their surprising head coach vacancy. I'll talk about the names, their affiliation, some of them we touched on yesterday on the show. Lots to get into. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up guys, this is Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Welcome to another episode of the show. We are live on YouTube on this Wednesday morning. We are also on your podcast feed. So if you're interested in video content, we got that for you. If you're interested in audio content, we got that for you, too. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And uh, over the course of the past 24 hours or so, we've seen uh, some names arise that are affiliated with other teams across the league. Uh, formal submissions submitted to interview head coaching candidates. Yesterday on the show, we did my personal list of the top ten. Uh candidates that could possibly take this this role I have some ideal criteria. but being realistically, if I held every single head coaching candidate to those criteria of, of what I would ideally like to see an experienced previous head coach with offensive background, you're not going to get 10 names for that. So uh you, you got to kind of pick and choose uh the resumes on a whole while trying to apply those filters and, and come to uh, an agreement. good afternoon. From the UK, uh, Pauline D., thanks for checking in, along with everybody else who's here on the YouTube channel as well. So the five names, uh, and I want to get into something else before we touch on these five names, but here are the five names that have been reported to this point in time, and it's about 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, that uh, the Dolphins have requested to interview from other teams. Uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, he came in at number eight or nine on the list yesterday it was fairly low on the list of, of my personal 10 candidates, uh, Vance Joseph, Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator, front, former Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator, former Denver Broncos head coach, defensive background was not on my list. Uh, Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, uh, coached Tua at Alabama was Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator for one year in the early portion of the last decade in 2011, San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator used to be the run coordinator, Mike McDaniel. Uh, He wasn't on my list. He's a young guy, uh, not a lot of experience, first-year offensive coordinator. Uh, But he got the offensive coordinator spot in part because uh, there were some changes thanks to uh, Robert Sala taking some of the the San Francisco 49ers staff with him when he went to the Jets. Uh, But also McDaniel had interest from Miami last year about the – offensive coordinator vacancy. So I think that is a really interesting layer for a guy we didn't talk about yesterday, Uh, a guy who Miami has very clearly shown some interest in for each of the last two seasons. And then Kellen Moore, uh, the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, who came in at number four uh, on my personal list. He was the highest ranked coaching candidate that I had on that list that did not have uh, any previous head coaching experience. So those are the five names. I think it's important to remember these are interview requests. Uh, Requests always have to be granted. Coaches that are not affiliated with an NFL franchise do not need to go through that same vetting process. So as a point, a couple of the names that were closer to the top of my list yesterday. uh, Doug Peterson, currently not with a team at all. Can interview anytime he likes. Jim Caldwell, not with a team at all can interview anytime he likes. Jim Harbaugh, if they choose to go that route, uh, I know Stephen Ross kind of poo-pooed that when the announcement was made that Brian Flores was not going to be retaining his post, but if they wanted to go down that route, they would not need to submit an interview request for him. They could hold that interview. I'm interested to see if when gets out that those candidates um, are having interviews with the team as well there's one thing I would ideally like to see Miami do uh, it would be to try to find a fit early uh, you don't want to be the last one to the dance right because if you're the last hire out of this cycle what you'll see is the assistance pool and and a lot of coaches that are going to new places and elevating attractive assistants are going to have already staked your claim. So that was part of the problem when Miami had to wait out the whole process uh, when they hired Brian Flores in 2019 was, oh, well, the Patriots made a Super Bowl run that year, kind of picked over. So Brian had last pick of assistance, and we used that as kind of an in-the-moment possible justification for why there was staff turnover at the end of 2019. Is oh, you know, his selection process, and and nobody could have possibly known better, uh, The kind of the – the trend of things that that we going and regardless of whether or not we all agree with the decision that this break and divide was needed or not that's a different story i know i've said it uh, on each of the shows this week um i would not necessarily have made this decision i don't know that i agree with this decision i need to see how their interview process plays out i'm gonna do my best to to give a fair shot to whoever ends up getting the call to prove themselves and and for Miami to prove themselves. Right. And I understand why there's a lot of skepticism because a lot of these times when Miami has made these decisions, they haven't necessarily been making the right decision. So uh, I understand this is a very tense moment for a lot of us. And it's a potential change in course that could deter the progress that you have seen me, especially in, in building the defensive side of the football. Um, it's cool seeing you guys in the comments. So I want to shout out a couple of these comments, uh, Marcos, in my honest opinion, it's Harbaugh or Peterson. Any of the name is a bust. Uh, Eric, I wanted someone with head coach experience, but I'd be all in for Kellen Moore. Uh, (laughs) Leighton, uh, Leighton's a good friend of the show. If we hire Vance Joseph, I will contemplate not watching. So there's a lot of strong opinions right now, right? And um, here's the thing that I think is an interesting kind of subplot that's developed, and it has to do more with Brian Flores than specifically the Dolphins. But um, the New York Giants decided after initially stating that they were going to retain head coach Joe Judge, who's also a Patriots disciple, uh, that they were going to fire him Yesterday, after the news had come out that Brian Flores, who's already set up for an interview in Chicago, um, is going to be available. I would fully expect that the Giants, you know, Brian Flores is from Brooklyn. um, I would fully expect that the Giants make a full court press uh, for Coach Flo. But you're kind of seeing this tug of war for narrative that is existing uh, across media, and I, and I know a lot of the the national scale analysts or pundits are saying, "Oh, interesting. Nobody had anything bad to say about Brian Flores until he left." And this Patriots disciples aren't necessarily the most media friendly. They they're not particularly open. You know, there's there's a very calculated approach to information that's made available, and um, just like coaches have to play the game with GMs and owners. Uh, I do think from a media perspective, if you have to work with these guys on a, an individual daily basis, you kind of have to play the game with them too. Uh, and I know Barry Jackson put out pretty extensive list of punch list items that had come from team officials uh, that were some of the contributing factors for Miami making the decision to move on, including apparently he wanted unilateral unquestioned control over uh, all football operations, uh, which is kind of a Bill O'Brien type power play. He did that in Houston when they they pushed out Rick Smith, the general manager there. Uh, despite the fact that Chris has given him effectively everything he's wanted, anyway, which is uh, peculiar uh, that 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 would be such a point of contention. Uh, Barry brought up a point against the Arizona game last year where he'd reported that an offensive lineman might be playing and. He got a earful from Flo about that. Uh, but to be fair, Barry also said, you know, they were always cordial to the media. It's just not, there's not that free exchange of information. Like you listen to coaches at other press conferences and you you get context, you get answers about what's going on. And there's, there's a more of an openness, whereas the Patriots disciples, they are very calculated. It's everything is a potential competitive advantage. Anything that gets out there, it's because we want it to get out there, right? So I don't necessarily know that I would blame if I was on the local beat and I had to deal with coach flow on a daily basis. I don't know that I would be talking negative things about coach flow. Um, but it's it's just interesting to me to see the tug of war that exists and then other outlets like pro football talk are talking the Miami Dolphins are the, um, the scrounge of the earth and they, they've made this abhorrent decision and, you know, just this is why they are one of the worst franchises in the NFL and just continuing to pound the dolphins and it's like oh okay like obviously the local beat is talking to team officials and they are crediting their sources to team officials but the pro football talks coming out here and they're like yeah you know Steven Ross is an idiot and a moron and i can't believe they fired, fired the one good thing they had going on about their team it's like oh, okay like is there what, who, what connection do you have? And do you have a connection to the coach flow camp and that they never had anything nice to say about Miami. And then suddenly Miami gets fired and, or Flores gets fired and oh, flow gets these glowing reviews from the same people And we're talking about how this team was a paper tiger and blah, 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 blah. So uh, I certainly think, especially being involved in the draft game to the depth that I am, um, I'm used to seeing that game be played across all 32 teams. And I think you're seeing that tug of war. So don't be surprised to continue to see conflicting bits of information and conflicting reports on who was responsible for who and who wanted what and who made the bad decision. And like, it's, we can't control any of that, right? The best thing that we can do on the show is kind of mentally prepare ourselves for all of the possible outcomes. And if this, team and this season and this experience has reminded me of anything as somebody who hosts a Dolphins podcast, never say never, never rule any any outcome out with this team because you literally just never know. One thing I do know though is that Built Bar is the most banging delicious protein bar on the market. It's the new year. And that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, For being honest. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely delicious. Uh, you could go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com. Promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. The world's most delicious protein bar. uh question from Tyler. If you had to bet one year's salary, who do you think is our next head coach? I have very little gauge on what direction it's going to end up being. Uh, And, you know, a lot of what we do here is more so kind of speculating on why things would make sense. Uh, But with that said, um, I think there is still a realistic path for Jim Harbaugh if he's going to be enticed. I know he's reportedly talking to Uh, Michigan about a contract extension with a raise, which was like one year after he took a pay cut because the team was underperforming. Uh, So he's probably trying to leverage and get that, that back in his contract. Um, But if he is legitimately interested in the NFL game and is planning on leaving, and then that way from Steven Ross's perspective, he's not the one that's coaxing him away. If Jim's going to make the jump, I think there's a, a strong pathway that they make a push there. I would not be surprised with Jim Caldwell and I honestly would not be surprised with Brian Dable and I would not be surprised with the guy we're going to talk about now, which is Mike McDaniel, Uh, Mike McDaniel, former run game coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. He's now their offensive coordinator and he's a Yale graduate. He's widely regarded as one of the, smartest football minds in all of football, offensive football. He wasn't on my list. And the reason why he wasn't on my list was that the concerns with McDaniel were kind of rooted in the experience that he has. He has one year as the offensive coordinator this year in San Francisco. He spent... He's been in San Francisco since 2017, and he's been the run game coordinator in San Francisco since 2017 when Kyle Shanahan got there. Before that, he was an offensive assistant with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta from 2015 to 2016. There was a stretch with the Washington football team from 2011 to 2013 as an offensive assistant and wide receivers coach. He spent one year in Cleveland as wide receivers coach. The Sacramento Mountain Lions running backs coach 2009-2010. Houston Texans offensive assistant 2006 to 2008 and an intern with the Denver Broncos in 2005. Another guy who's in his 30s. And that small of a sample size and of course Shanahan is still the prominent presence in calling the plays. So that's just kind of my question with McDaniel. Now there's no question you listen to Mike McDaniel talk. It's incredibly intelligent, incredibly right the football dynamic and X's and O's were home run hires. Um, I think with his background, not being of the Belichick descent, if you will, from a coaching tree perspective, probably a little bit more open to the collaboration that the, um, the Dolphins seem to be interested in having with their coaching staff and the front office and the, everybody being on the same page and, and not, I need to have unilateral control over the roster and and personnel decisions in the draft and salary cap and so on and so forth, even though Chris Greer was giving Brian Flores all those things to begin with. Again, remember, Brian Flores was not fired for football reasons. He was fired for player personnel and relationship reasons. I don't think he would have that conflict with Mike McDaniel. But one of the other questions with Brian Flores was the relationship side of thing and how good of an offensive staff could you build? And I always go back to midseason when things were way off the rails and we were right at the trade deadline. And it was like, if this team doesn't make a trade for a different quarterback and you go into this off and you turn things around and you keep Brian Flores, how are you going to turn around your offensive staff? How are you going to hire competent staff? And the answer was always, I don't know. Well, that was probably a large part of the reason why a a change was made, was probably deemed, and I'm assuming here, I'm not filling in the blanks, I'm not speaking for anybody, but I'm just kind of looking at everything for what it is. That staff and that effort was too far gone. How well can Mike McDaniel, as a head coaching candidate, pull together an offensive staff? Now, he's been in successful places. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, He was on that Falcons team that had a lot of success offensively. Uh, He was, I believe, and I'm going to look this up to make sure I am correct in saying this. I believe he was on that Washington football team staff with Sean McVay. Yes. So McVay was an offensive assistant in 2010 with the team. And then he was the tight ends coach from 2011 to 2013. And then he was the offensive coordinator in Washington from 2014 to 2016. So the overlap that exists here is 11, 12, and 13 with Sean McVay in Washington. And that was a rock star staff for a lot of head coaches in today's game. That's the appeal. What does the San Francisco 49ers offense and that Shanahan McVay offense bring to the table that's um that's a very effective scheme that you've seen a lot of quarterbacks play in and play friendly and I think that should be one of the prerogatives for the Dolphins in making a head coaching hire. So there's ways in which Mike McDaniel would absolutely make sense. I don't have firm affirmation of what his staff would look like, but the other concern here is would that result in a defensive scheme change? Because I'm looking at some comments here from Indeed and Dalton, and it's asking, which players on defense do you think are most affected by the firing of flow? Which players are most dependent on his scheme? Indeed, whole defense's effectiveness was dependent on the scheme. They can't run pressure. They can't pressure without blitzing. It can be exploited. If teams stick to the run. Um, Fabian. Shout out! Thanks for listening on QAM and WQAM. I went on with Joe Rose show this morning. Had a great time talking ball with them, and that's the biggest concern for me is you've built this really strong nucleus on the defensive side of the ball, and retaining as much of that as possible is going to be important because if you make a head coaching change, you make a defensive system change, and then you adjust, you've taken two steps back just to take one step forward on the other side of the ball. And that's going to be a hard pill to swallow if so much of what you've spent three years building on defense is compromised and watered down and players leave because it doesn't make sense and they're not a scheme fit anymore. And this is kind of the perpetual cycle that teams find themselves in. And Dolphins fans have been circling this, cycle for 10 years 15 20 years so you guys are well versed in how it works and and the risks that are associated with this um but i think there's a an important chapter of this iteration of the dolphins the life cycle that this team is in and that's something that we've tried trying been trying to implement over the draft network pretty frequently it's talking about teams having life cycles everybody's Expectations for NFL success have been skewed by a handful of teams that have been really consistently good. They're the gold standard, but that's not normal, right? New England being Super Bowl contenders for 20 years is the exception. It's not the rule. For the vast majority of teams, if you get your front office right, you get a head coach, everybody's on the same page, everybody's rowing in the same direction, everybody buys in, you have a couple successful drafts. What you have is like a five, six year window where you can say we are legitimately going to compete for championship. And then at that point, you are transitioning from a young contender into a win now team. And as you transition into win now, the way that you spend financially changes, the way that you invest your draft capital changes. And you're trying to fill the holes. And that was what Miami was really stuck in is they were a team that never really started at rebuilding team, working through young contender and transitioning into win. Now they were just, we're win now all the time. We're trying to win now every single year. Well, that results in a lot of moves that are short sighted. A lot of moves that don't really take into account long-term salary cap ramifications and so on and so forth. And, uh, that was one thing that I appreciated that this team did right when they committed in 2019 to, to going back to square one, cleared all the dead cap, cleared all the bad contracts, got a really young nucleus. And you've spent the last three years now building towards an individual vision. Well, this goes for the defensive side of the ball. This goes for the quarterback position. This goes for the offensive scheme that you're now going to bring in here. There's a lot of variables at play. You've got to get this right. Right so that that transition from young contender can continue to grow, and you can hopefully become a legitimate contender and, and transition into a win now team. But if you don't, you're gonna be stuck making that A or B choice again, which is A, we gotta go back to square one and start it all over again. and B, is we're going to be chasing our tails, hoping we get lucky one year, and be back in that win now mentality every single year, and having to make constant interchangeable pieces year over year over year over year, and that's what's concerning. That that for me is the scariest bit, because if we go back to that, that then all of this was for nothing. And I'm going to follow that up in just a minute. But got to tell you guys about our friends over at Get Upside. It's an incredible app for everybody who buys gas you need to know about. Listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You can get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You can get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot is, are making as much as two dollars to $300 back per month, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, e-gift cards, such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. I'm sure there's some pretty good betting odds out there about who the Dolphins net head coach is going to be. Since Somebody asked me if I was going to bet uh, one month's salary on who it's going to be. If you want to make some bets on who it's going to be, bet online. Is the place to be. They want to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. A new year with new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right? Your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Dylan, in the comments, shout out. Chug for Doug. Raging Dolphins maniac with a question here that I think is a good one. Kyle, is there any chance they keep Josh Boyer in the current defensive scheme? I think that's should be on the table, but my question is what was the change – that the Dolphins made midway through the season that resulted in that dramatic flip of the switch in defensive success. You're midway through the season, your defense stinks out loud. Then, lo and behold, something magically happens. And I know you played lesser teams, but that wasn't the full extent of it. What, um, What else changed? Was Brian Flores more involved in defensive play calling like some people seem to think he was? Because if he was and he had to interject to get that defense back to the point where it was, then that's a major concern about just retaining defensive staff, bringing everybody else back and saying, oh, yeah, just go do what you guys did last year, because what it looked like without Brian Flores involved, assuming that was the change that was made, was not particularly good. So, I wish I had a good answer for you uh, on that front, uh, Raging Dolphins Maniac. Um, There's a lot of speculation about a lot of talent, uh, including uh, Crown Trend. I think X is going to request a trade again. I know one thing that I had heard uh, was that X was not super big on coach flow. And I I think that the strife that existed between those two guys was well-documented. I know X had a comment on Instagram, I believe it was, after the firing was announced. Um, so it's not necessarily as though a coaching change is going to change his opinions for the worse, is that I, I don't think they were in a great place as far as liking the head coach that existed uh, anyway. Dylan. Does Doug Peterson's firing from Philly due to reportedly losing the locker room. Were you at all? Um, I touched on this a little bit yesterday on the show, but I know a lot of the dynamics that were involved with Doug Peterson's firing were he lost some assistance. And then from there, um, Jeffrey Lurie, who's the owner of the team, uh, Howie Roseman, the GM, had his year. There was an analytics department. There was a lot of cooks in the kitchen all trying to impress uh, their opinions on player personnel, staffing, uh, game decision-making process. Um, I think that entire environment built up to being so toxic uh, that it was just kind of a a full encompassing. I don't think Doug, who's very well regarded as a pro players coach, uh, would have necessarily... Uh, been a dynamic that individually was like, oh yeah, the the players think Doug stinks, we're done. I think there was a lot, I think everybody could see a lot of the uh, conflict that existed within the entire organization. So I'm not worried about Doug not being a player's coach if that's what you're asking about. But yes, continuing to vet that situation is a big part of evaluating his resume for the spot. We talked a little bit about Uh, team life cycles and making the decision to go back to point A or point B. No, John, mornings are not the new norm. I am way off schedule because I had to do the emergency podcast on Monday. So I did two podcasts then and they made me that change, made me throw my entire week's worth of planning and research for this week's shows in the trash, so I have been way behind and scrambling, trying to catch up and get notes in order to do shows. Um, so no, the mornings are not gonna be the new norm. This is just kind of, as I've been trying to catch up with my notes, um, I've been doing them as I have time because I don't wanna keep you guys waiting any longer that we have to. Um, we talked about making this decision and, and going path A or path B, if if we see regression, Uh, with the change that takes place path a being we're going to go all the way back to square one path b being we're going to be in win now and we're we're going to forsake all the things that we said we're going to be our pillars of identity for team building uh, with this reset in 2019 if you go all the way back to square one again that's going to be the Hard pill to swallow because you look at some of the player personnel decisions that were made and decisions to part ways with certain players and the justification being, oh, well, they they really don't fit our vision. Uh, They're not cultural fits. Well, if you end up going back to square one and changing the culture and doing it all over again, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, So, too, is having investments that were made with one light and then completely pulling the plug on that and adopting a completely different schematic. um, That's treading water and finding yourself in a place where there's, and I know there's some teams like Philadelphia's rebounding, right? They're, they're in a rebuild year now and they made the playoffs. And I know year one under Buffalo and Sean McDermott, they went nine and seven and made the playoffs after uh, Cincinnati, knock somebody off to put them in the playoffs. So it's it's not to say that, that you couldn't find success. Um, but so much of the last three years has been built and sold towards an individual vision. And I think it's salvageable. Most of the time, these really aggressive rebuilds, I know this isn't the first time I've, I've talked about this. Um, and Glenn's, Glenn's right in. Glenn, absolutely, this is where I'm at. Makes no sense to go back. We have a lot of young, great talent. A good coach can work with this team and take them to the next level. A lot of times, again, not the first time I've said this, the GM slash coach who undertake the major rebuild don't survive the major rebuild to see the fruits of labor. Think about the Cleveland Browns. Think about the Philadelphia 76ers in basketball. It's very normal uh, to see a plateau that's hit or a change in direction that's made. But that's what makes this two, three week stretch for the Dolphins, absolutely critical because it is going to determine in large part, whether the three years you've invested in doing this is going to pay dividends and and bear fruit or not. So it's a high stakes game you're playing right now. And we are all very Obviously invested in it as evidenced by it's Wednesday and it's now 10 30 in the morning. And I got almost a hundred people in here on the live stream on YouTube watching. The numbers of, of people who are talking about the Dolphins on social media is just out of this world, and everybody's got an opinion. And we all just want to see them win, right? And I think that's that's something that I think we all need to bear in mind is we can have different opinions on who the coach should be. Um, we could have different opinions on who the quarterback should be. I'm going to give you all my opinions on all these things once this initial rocky boat stabilizes and we'll talk about moving forward and projecting players into uh, a new coach's ideologies when we do that research. Uh, But we got to find out who that guy is first. That's objective number one. And that's what we're exploring right now. Hope you guys enjoyed Uh, Wednesday pod. We got two more this week. We, We do have power to the pod coming at some point. We're probably going to do that tomorrow night. Probably. Uh, That'll probably be the Friday show. Uh, So I'm hoping to have a Thursday show recorded to be up first thing in the morning tomorrow, and then probably do the live stream on YouTube for power to the pot. So uh, everybody who tuned in, thank you so much. Fins up, keep it locked in right here. in Lockdown dolphins, your team every day. Let's get after it. Let's have a great day. Let's keep a rise peeled on the timeline. Maybe some more good news. Maybe we can get the chug for Doug thing going on. Doug Peterson's candidacy. I know that's certainly what, at this point in the process, I'm rooting for. Um, But we'll see. Make it a good one. Fins up, guys.